Welcome to Healing After Baby Loss, the podcast I wish I had eight years ago when my beautiful daughter, Harper Grace, was born still. I have spent the last eight years devoted to healing, and these are the 15 things I wish I had a playbook for. My hope is that you take what serves you and leave what doesn't, but that in these words, as I share our story, you can find hope and healing and know that our nonprofit, stillmama.org, is here for you. I am your host, Doreen Korba, and this is our journey. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about what to say and what not to say, (laughs) and why things are upsetting when they are said, depending on what stage of grief you're in. So this is going to be an incredible episode if you are an angel parent or if you're a friend or family member and want to know what in the world to say to someone that you love so much, but words kind of fail you. And we're also going to be talking about like what happens when you don't say anything at all. So we're going to cover it all today. One thing I want to share at the very beginning is I do a lot of social media content creation. And recently I created some content around, you know, what to say, what not to say. And it was my most liked and talked about post that I've had in a really long time. And I loved it so much because it also reminded me of some things that I had forgot that people said that like, were super bothersome. And so this is not just the things that bother me, but I actually am taking all of that feedback. So thank you for those of you who follow me at, at coach Corba on Instagram or Doreen Corba on Facebook. You guys know that as a grief and trauma coach, you know, this is the work that I do. This is the work I talk about. I am actually going to be speaking just in general, what I've learned when it comes to helping so many women as I have through traumatic experiences, in particular, the things that we say to mothers, I said to my husband recently, it's like, we, it feels like people talk to us as though we've lost a puppy. No, (laughs) you have lost a child. And just because the world hasn't met the child, doesn't mean the child didn't exist. And I think those of us who have lost an infant or a baby who maybe didn't get a chance to meet friends and family, you know, we know that this baby existed, but just because they weren't introduced or held by friends and family, it's, it's easy for people to not even fully understand or grasp what it is we're going through. Let's talk about the things that are helpful. If this is all you get from this podcast today, this is what I want you to get. What is helpful? What is helpful is to say something like, there are no words for what you're going through. And I just want you to know that I'm here. Or you can say, I am so sorry this happened to you. Or you can say, if the person's like, this is just so unfair, whatever they're saying, instead of trying to make them feel better, which is where everyone gets in trouble, (laughs) right? is the person that's grieving, your words, no matter what you say, are not going to make them feel better. What is more important and does make people feel better is to feel like they're supported and seen and held, right? So 
instead of saying something along the lines of like, you know, everything happens for a reason, we're going to get to that one. That's the one I hate the most. You can say something like, you're right. This is so unfair. And I'm so sorry you're going through this. I often say at this point, when I'm speaking to another angel mother, because I'm on a similar journey, I will say, I wish I could take this pain from you. I, and, and that's the truth. Like, I wish, I wish I could take some of the pain from you and I know I can't, but I wish I could. And it just like really makes people feel, cause that's the truth. Like I really do wish that I could. And it makes people recognize like, I care so much and I know that no matter what I say, they're not actually looking for me to say anything. People are just looking for you to listen. So top things that I would recommend saying is I am so sorry that you lost and use their name, by the way, not just you lost your baby, but I'm so sorry you, I'm so sorry you lost Harper. I can't imagine what that's like for you. I wish I could help in some way. There are no words for what you're going through right now. I say that one a lot too, because it's true. There are just no, there are just no words. So I just, I'm really honest about that. Like there, there are just no words, but it's important to say something because if you don't say anything at all, then that's where we think that you don't care or you're uncomfortable with our pain, which is true. I would say the majority of people were very uncomfortable with the level of pain that I was in. And it is, it is really hard to see someone you love in so much pain. I can only imagine what my parents were going through watching me navigate this. I know that they were just really scared that I wouldn't get through it, that I, you know, that they would lose their daughter too, right? It like shakes everybody's world. But if you don't say anything at all, then we tend to think you don't care, even though you may care very much and not know what to say. The truth is like, we don't have the capacity to like figure that out when we are in grief. So we're just like, I just do not know why that they haven't said anything or even sent a card. I mean, there, I still remember people that didn't say anything that actually had been through the loss of a child. And I was just like, I I just can't even imagine having gone through something and then not reached out with, with some words of advice or some comfort to someone else who had lost a child. Everyone is different. Everyone's on their own path, but say something. Don't not say anything. It's actually better to say the wrong thing than to say nothing at all. But this podcast is all about like not saying the wrong thing and the whys behind it. So now you know what to say. You know, it's it's like, keep it really simple. I am so sorry that you're going through this, those types of things. Here's the short list of what not to say and why. And I already kind of mentioned it. My, the thing I hate to hear the most is, everything happens for a reason. I may get to that place in my healing journey 50 years from now when I may think that's true. But when you are in the early years of losing a child, losing a baby, and I may 50 years from now say that's never true, right? But 
no one wants to hear that like this is okay because basically everything happens for a reason tells the person well this is okay because this is going to make you better stronger whatever the person means then a lot of times everything happens for a reason comes from like a faith-based thing and if this has rocked your faith it's like no there is no reason that my innocent baby had to die. There is no way that the only way I could have learned this soul lesson is to strip away a piece of my soul so that I would be a better person, a better mother, better wife, whatever it means to like, oh, everything happens for a reason. Well, what's the reason? And that's what feeds into last week's podcast, which was like the why, like that feeds into, okay, if everything happens for a reason, then why, why me? And what you don't want to do is fuel that already existing, very scary conversation inside of someone's head as to like why this had to happen to them. Everything happens for a reason applies for like when you lose a job or when you break up with someone who was unhealthy for you, but it really does not apply. Like it's not a blanket statement that applies to everything. I once upon a time thought that everything happened for a reason, but my grandmother lost her daughter when she was 24. She was in a drunk driving accident. So my dad's sister, Doreen, So I am named after her and never once did I think to myself, well, everything happens for a reason. So it's okay that she was killed by a drunk driver and had a toddler and everything's fine. Like never in my wildest dreams. And what was disappointing is the, the P and I remember the people that said this to me, I know I shouldn't remember, but you guys, I have a, I have a memory. Like (laughs) I remember everything. It's kind of like a blessing and a curse. I think it's why I'm able to manage such a big family. And also I remember everything. I remember people saying this to me and it was not like my best friends or, you know, like our parents or anything, but people close to us in our life, I remember, and they're highly educated, highly successful. And when someone says this to you, so let's say someone said this to you, here's the truth. They actually haven't grappled the way that you are, if you've just lost your baby or you've lost your baby 10 years ago, it doesn't matter. They have not grappled with that kind of pain because anyone that has been through the ringer with life knows that everything doesn't happen for a reason. There is no reason why babies have to die. It makes no sense. They're so innocent. They haven't done anything wrong in life. There's no reason why babies have to die, but saying everything happens for a reason basically helps that person detach from your pain because truly they don't understand, or if they do have their own trauma, which we all do, then they have not touched it. Try not to, if this has been said to you, try not to be totally offended and don't buy into it. Just understand that that person is on a different spiritual journey than you're on. And you now know not everything happens for a reason. But if you're thinking about condolences, everything happens for a reason is like the number one thing that I 
would not say to anyone ever, ever, ever. (laughs) All right. I think I've like beat that one down. Like, let's not say that in the world. The second one that I actually forgot about, but is my number two. And I'm so grateful that someone mentioned this on social media when I was having this conversation with our community. And by the way, we, we have a whole community on social media on Instagram. We're at still underscore mama, M-A-M-A. And, and this is where all of our conversations go down. And this is where you can come and be in community with us. But the second one is, well, that's okay. You have fill in the blank, the name of the child that you have at home. So for me, like, that's okay. You're going to be okay because you have Michael. Or for this person, it's like, who had experienced a miscarriage. It's like, it's okay because you've got your two babies at home. No, it's not okay. (laughs) Right? Like it's, again, this is not okay. There's nothing okay about this situation. And for me, and again, work colleague, very successful, very bright, very educated, MBA, the whole thing. It was like, well, you're, you're strong. You're going to be okay. Cause you have Michael, or at least you have Michael. I can't tell you how many people said, well, at least you have Michael having Michael, having a, my three and a half year old son had absolutely nothing to do with me losing my daughter. Nothing. You could tell I'm so spicy today. They are separate human beings. And I do not know what it's like to lose your firstborn, right? Because Harper was my second born. But I feel like things were complicated because I couldn't completely do what I needed to do in my grief for myself because I still needed to wake up every day and be a mother. And so I think in some ways, some of the work that I've had to go back and do is because I still had to wake up and take care of a three and a half year old who is still very little and still needs a lot of mommy. You know, instead of laying in bed for a week straight, which would have been fine for my body, which have been probably exactly what my body needed. I couldn't like, I, I, I had a little person by my bedside every day wanting to snuggle and I had to get up making breakfast. And of course, Mike was there too. I'm not suggesting I did this all on my own. But neither one of us could. We had to wake up and be parents every day. The idea that you're going to be okay because you already have a child does not apply. And if you do think that, then that's then I'm here to tell you having one child has nothing to do with losing the other. And just like the third thing that you know you never want to say to someone is, oh, well, you have more children, so it's okay. And it's not so much that we hear it's okay, like of the loss, but it's like, oh, well, you're healed now that you have Josie and Quinn, which are my two little girls who were born after Harper. No, (laughs) I'm going to talk about this when I talk about having more kids in that podcast, but that's actually not how it works. It doesn't matter if I have 20 more children, there will they will never be able to replace the hole in my heart that Harper left ever. And that is something that on the healing journey, on the grief journey that you have to know is like, I could have babies for the rest of my life and they're amazing and they're wonderful. 
and they're their own people, right? They're not, they aren't Harper. And so I was really careful to, to know that when I had Josie, that I, she's the rainbow baby, that I was all about Josie. And then I still made room in my life to grieve Harper. Josie did not replace Harper. And in many ways, it was incredibly difficult to have more children. It's like, it was incredibly healing. I always say Josie healed my heart in ways that I didn't even know was possible. And also it was really hard in that first year of life. And uh, I would say it was even harder with Quinny because Quinny, my littlest, looks exactly like Harper. So in the middle of the night, when I would go get her, I would rock her and give her her bottle and nurse her. I would look down and I'd be like, it's Harper. Nope. It would just, it, it's, it was overwhelming, right? It complicated the grief. So having more children does not make it okay. Having more children does not take away the fact that we lost a child and having a child at home does not mean you'll get through this grief any quicker or faster or better. That again is just someone's way of shielding themselves from putting, (laughs) from understanding the pain that we're in because people walk around the world running from pain. They run from our pain. So they say stuff to make it less painful for them. Most of the time, these condolences, like you'll be okay. You're so strong um, because you have Michael or everything happens for a reason. That is actually not condoling us. That's, that's condoling themselves. Like that's helping them make sense of the tragedy that's happened to us because people are uncomfortable with child loss as they should be. It's a scary place to be. (laughs) It is the scariest, you know, hood there is. And I understand why people are really uncomfortable with it. In fact, I was, I was uncomfortable with it. I was afraid. Oh my gosh, I would never survive that. Um, What if that happened to me? All of those things, because anyone that has a child knows just how scary it is to potentially lose them. It's like having a piece of your heart walking around outside your body. And then when it happens to us, people simply don't know what to say and they're not educated. If you are hearing these things, I want to remind you, this is people trying to ease their own discomfort with our pain. And if you're thinking about condoling someone, please don't say that. Okay. Another thing that isn't helpful to hear or to say is things will get back to normal. And sometimes they're not said in these words, but it's like, life, you will, you will get through this is helpful. Like having that kind of support, like you will, you are, you will get through this or we will get through this, but things will get back to normal. I had a few people say that to me and I'm like, there is no normal anymore. Like I need now a new normal. And that was scary enough. So when someone said like, things will get back to normal, I don't want them to get back to normal because that would mean that I'm okay (laughs) with my baby dying. And at the same time, the duality is I desperately want them to get back to normal and I want my baby here. And then it's like a reminder that 
oh no, my baby died and everyone else has their babies around me. And so things won't get back to normal. And then if, if you go into the conversation about, oh, you're going to create a new normal. It's like, no, none of that is helpful right now. None of that makes me feel safe in my home, in my body, in the world. It's like my world was just shook. And so I don't know what normal is and I don't want a new normal. I want this nightmare to go away. So that's why that is not hopeful. You are so strong. I'm better with this one now, eight years later, but in the beginning when people like you are so strong, I, I, first of all, I didn't agree. I felt like the weakest, most delicate, fragile flower that had ever walked. I mean, I felt like I, I described this in the very first blog post I have on the website, stillmama.org in the blog. I wrote this years ago about being in a forest with trees that are in full bloom. And I am the tree that is completely naked. (laughs) You feel like there is a sign on your forehead and on your chest, somewhere on the outside of your body that says, I just lost a baby. Like it feels so vulnerable. It's because we can't hide it. Like if you're going through a divorce or infidelity or you just got like a diagnosis, a cancer diagnosis. Like you get to choose when you want to tell the world what is going on inside your personal life. But when you lose a baby full term, everyone was expecting the baby. There, you don't have a choice. Everyone knows because you have a big belly and then you don't have a big belly. And then everyone wants to meet the baby and wants to know where the baby is. And it's like, you don't have a choice but to let people in before you're ready, that was hard because I am a private person and I wanted to be able to process on my own. And I wanted to be able to deal with this. It's not that I didn't want certain people to know, but it's like, I felt like the whole world knew that I was completely shattered and I didn't like that. It felt scary. So telling someone you are so strong, the truth is like, we don't have a choice and we don't want to be strong. Like we don't want any of this. And so it's not helpful in the context of like a friend or family member or whatever being like, you are so strong to navigate this. It's like, I don't have a freaking choice. At the same time, it is depending on how close you are to the person. I I can understand how some people would, would want to say, you know, you are strong. You can make the phone call to the therapist you can do this. Like that pep talk is one thing, but, but that pity of like, you're so strong to like be able to get through this. It's like, we don't want your pity. (laughs) We don't want that. We just want our child back. That's just, that's not helpful to hear. And then another one that's a really biggie is things it's such a duality before it's like, oh, things will go back to normal. No, they won't. And then also on the same breath, people would say, well, you won't be the same after this. And that terrified me. And I wanted to be like, yeah, no kidding. Thanks for like the scary reminder because I've already lost so much. Please don't take away that sense, that little bit of identity that I have left. Right. It's like, I'm, especially in those early, that those first couple of years, it's like, I know I won't be the same. And I'm also not sure who I'm going to become. 
in the nervous system world, like it's, it's a bit disorienting. Like we've lost our footing because we've lost our child. So when someone says like, you won't be the same after this, or they, they may not say it directly to you. You may say this to someone else, like, oh my God, she's never been the same or she'll never be the same here. Here's what I want you to know. Eight years out. I am such a better person because of Harper and not because she died, but because she existed. I am a better human. I am more empathetic. I am more loving. I am more giving. I am more in service. And everything about her little life made me better. Yeah, I'm not the same. And I don't want to be the same. And the idea that the loss of a child rips people apart, it is true, but we also heal. And if you were devoted to healing, if you're like, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to do everything I can, I'm going to invest my time, I'm going to invest my money. I mean, that's what I have done these past eight years. I didn't just like stumble into thriving again and finding joy and having beautiful memories of Harper and not crying every time I think about her. You know, I didn't stumble into that. That didn't just happen with time. That happens because I devoted myself to it. The idea that like, we'll never be the same again. Well, also don't say that (laughs) because that makes it seem like you're going to be a worse version of yourself. I did have people say, I know you, Doreen. And when you come through the deepest, darkest parts of this, I cannot wait to see what you create from this. Now, that is a very different way to say, I know you and you're, you're going to learn some things and you're going to turn around. You're going to teach everybody that wants to hear it, which is true. That is people who know me well. But one of the comments, even on the podcast, it was like, what do I, there'll never be the same. Like, let's talk about that. No, that, that feels like, like a death sentence. I would say I have higher, (laughs) higher levels of joy than I ever have. And also I have deeper levels of sorrow than I ever had, right? Like the, the, the deeper I can go with the pain, the higher I can go in the joy. And I didn't experience that before, before Harper was born. And I would say a lot of that I developed through the infertility journey. And the why is really important because I, I think that the, the why gets left out. Like why, <laughs> why it's not good to hear you'll never be the same after this. Because like, we don't know who we're going to be yet. And we don't want, we don't need additional fear. One that also came up, and this is, this is, we're going to have another podcast on this, but when people make comments on, will my marriage survive this? You know, it's like, everything is up for grabs. When you lose a child, you're not sure of anything right? It's like, well, if this can happen, anything can happen, no matter how sure you are of this and that. And so knowing like you won't be the same after this or your marriage won't be the same or whatever, um, just don't say that and don't think it and just let, let just be a light in someone's life. Just that is, that's the biggest thing. And then the last one is like, how are you? So this is really tough because I know friends and family, like they want to know how we are, but the truth is we're horrible. 
Okay. We've never been worse in our life. And, um, especially in the early weeks and the early months, people stop asking, how are you? You know, once you're like two months in, they do, they stop asking, they've moved on, but the, so the, how are you really only comes up in the first few weeks, few months, depending on how many people you have around you. So, you know, how we are, we're horrible. Nothing is good. I think what people want to know is how can I help you? So instead of asking, how are you? You can say, how are you today? How are you this week? How are you today? Or you can say, how are you today? How can I help? Because I think that that's, that's the intention of like understanding how are you is like, how can I support you based on how you are? You don't have to ask anybody that anymore because I'm telling you they're horrible then what I think you want to know is how can I help? And I'm going to have an episode on the things that really, really helped. But the biggest thing is send a card. (laughs) Just send a card because we will keep all of the cards. Send a card. That's like something that the parents can read in their own time when they want to. Sometimes I would stack all the cards and then read them all at once when I felt strong enough to open them. So it's very, a very beautiful way to support someone in a way that isn't additionally traumatizing to them. So the, how are you is tricky. That's the one we get asked the most. And the truth is we're horrible. (laughs) So now, you know, you never have to ask us that again. I did though, recently I was, and it also matters like who you are asking these questions. Like my very best friends can ask me anything. They can say any one of these things and I would just give them the straight up answer, right? Because I know the place they're coming from. But I did have one of my very best friends who I just saw recently. We don't live close to each other anymore. And she's like, well, how, how are you with Harper? Right. And I knew exactly what she meant. She meant how are you doing? Like, it's been a long time, but I know this is very much so a huge part of your life and her birthday's coming and I love you. And I want to know how you are. That was so meaningful for me because no one has asked me how I am in probably like a lot of years, (laughs) like six, maybe seven. So my best friends will, will, we talk about Harper all of the time. And they'll say, how are you with her birthday? Or, you know, like when the birthday stuff starts to come, but just in a general check-in of like, how are you with Harper? You know, so it's just like so beautiful. So there is a time and a space for how are you that is really nourishing once you've gotten through some of like this healing process. But in the beginning, we're horrible. And then, you know, Year six may be hard. Year three may be semi-hard. Like it's, it's comes in waves. The last thing I want to leave you with for this podcast is whatever you, whatever you say, be prepared for an answer. So a lot of times I always say like in grief, our, our BS meter is at zero. So if you end up asking a question that isn't well-received, you may get a smart ass answer. And that's okay. That's okay. If that is a learning experience for you. I remember we were at 
a family event and it was in August. So just three months after we lost Harper and I was talking to someone and they were like, so how's your summer? How, like, how are things? How's your summer going? And I was like, well, my daughter died. That's how my summer is. And this person was like, well, besides that, how have you been, uh, how have you been outside of that? And they said, I think they said something like, oh, I know, I know, but how are you outside of that? And I was like, there is no outside of that. That is it. That is my whole life right now. And I was really direct and I did not have the capacity not to be direct. Right. And I am so proud of myself because being direct as a recovering people pleaser has always been really difficult for me, but Harper sent me free (laughs) in that regard. Like I was just really direct because I, I wanted people to know, like I'm showing up for this family event because I love my family. And also it's gutting me. I am not okay. I may be standing here, not hysterical right now, but you don't know that for the past three weeks, I could barely get out of bed thinking that I had to come here and act normal. Right. So be prepared. If, if you have, if you're going to ask a question that isn't well-received, you just have to be prepared for a smart ass answer. And I want to fully empower you to give any answer you want, any answer you want. You do not have to, this is not the time to worry about other people's feelings. And I think this is the thing that we worry about the most. It's like, we worry about how other people will take it, or we're trying to care for other people. This is not the time for that. And what I want you to do is nurture yourself and say what you need and get the things off your chest because When you just say the thing in response to the question, then we don't have to carry it with you. Any resentment that like that person asked you the question. Like I remember when the person said everything happens for a reason, I wish I would have been like, that's not true, but I didn't have the emotional capacity for that conversation at that time. I think we were like four or five days out and that's not true. Right. I didn't, I, I I couldn't, I didn't have the words. And so That is why I'm here today telling you about it so that if it has been said to you, you know what to do. And if you're the one doing the talking, just so you understand where we're coming from is so important. So I hope this was helpful. I have so much more to share with you on the nuances of baby loss. And I hope you have a beautiful week. Reach out to someone who has lost a baby and say, I love you. I'm here. I'm thinking of you. There are no words and I'm so sorry you're going through this and I'm here. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so that others can find this resource too. And if you would like to get involved with our organization or donate to our cause, you can visit us at www.stillmama.org. That's S-T-I-L-L-M-A-M-A dot org.